It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. All right, so... Saturday night in Coleman, Alabama, there was this incredible rally with Donald Trump. I wish I had some sound from that, but I don't. Uh, but I saw a picture that Dan Scavino, Dan, I know Dan, he was the communications guy for President Trump. Uh, he actually tweeted out a picture of the crowd, and I kept hearing people say, who were covering it, oh, it's a big crowd, big crowd, and they would show like a, a span of the crowd. But Dan uh, posted this video that showed uh, just an incredible amount of people in Coleman, Alabama. Mo Brooks spoke there. Mo is the candidate for Senate in the state of Alabama. And I guess um, at the top of the show here, if you were there, if by chance any of you are listening and you were there, I'd love to know what you thought. Well, you'll be our reporter on the scene about what that night was like. Our phone number is 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. Uh, President Trump was in full form. He was, you know, he really scorched President Biden. And he says, uh, he talked about the woke generals and how, you know, um, nothing ever, you know, everything is a disaster when it goes woke. And we know that that's true. The president has, you know, layman, uh, he doesn't speak like an erudite uh, scholar. Uh, but he's right that uh, being woke, which the generals are, you know, they are, um, they're very concerned about critical race theory. They're very concerned about transgenders and the military, not so much about what's happening to our military. And we see the results of that in Afghanistan, which I'm going to get to in just a minute. Uh, but that's what happened on Saturday night. And I, I know many of you wish you could have been there. I wish I could have been there, but uh, perhaps we'll have a report of that. But I want to um, move to some other things because there's a lot of news. There was a, Someone was shot in the airport perimeter last night in Afghanistan, and we only know that because the uh, Germans told us. Meanwhile, by the way, the French and the British are using their special forces to go out beyond the bounds of the airport. Remember, this is not like just America over there fighting, uh, that's been over there for 20 years almost, fighting in Afghanistan. The British have been our partners, as have been the French. Uh, my husband, Bruce, was in Afghanistan uh, uh, for the, on behalf, in his services to the FBI for, for a short time stint. And he talked to me about how they worked with the British and how closely they were related. And so the British are pretty upset. Very upset, and I. Uh, when, in a second, I want to play you a couple of clips so that you can see uh, how they feel about what's happening over there. One of them, Nigel Farage, was talking about, you know, Biden has just uh, forgotten this was a partnership, and they didn't even notify the British that we, they were pulling out in such a way. And uh, Boris Johnson actually called uh, Joe Biden. It was like Monday morning, and he did not hear from Joe Biden until Tuesday night at like 10 o'clock. So it really is just unbelievable. And... Um, the Americans, well, and let me just give you some more information here. Now we're finding out that the Taliban, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about waiting until the 31st of August 
that all Americans have to be out by that. That was an, an agreement, I think, that the Biden administration made with the Taliban. And what they've been doing is paying them money hand over fist. Uh, they, they're bragging about, you know, the Taliban's going to guard Americans. That's because they're paying them fists of cash. And now it looks like the Taliban is rebuffing uh, the notion that they would go past August 31st without, you know, beheading and murdering uh, Americans. And that's my words. I'm filling in the blanks about what that actually means. Uh, there are still thousands of Americans outside the perimeter. And, of course, the Biden administration has said, you know, it's it's uh, they just have to get to the uh, to the airport and then we'll get them out. Uh, but it's not working out that way. He's also saying Joe Biden in his press conference so completely misled the American people about what's going on on over there. So much so that even friendly news uh, are beginning to again to report differently. Clip one is ABC News in Pinnell, and he's talking about the fact that Americans are not getting to the airport. Let's listen to that. Uh, Americans and Afghans who are uh, in Kabul and beyond who are trying to uh, get to that airport. But as you have reported for many nights on World News Tonight, the Taliban controls the checkpoint, the Taliban and convoys around that country. How do you get those families to the airport? The president said he has no intelligence that Americans have been unable to get there. Uh, The question, obviously, does that square with reporting on the ground? I mean, just totally not. Uh, I mean, the reaction was was pretty much one of, of, I mean, it was breathtaking. No indication Americans can't get to the airport. I mean, last night on World News, we had American citizens who had exactly that experience. They tried to get to the airport. They had waived their American passports. The president talked about all they had to do was present their passports and they'd be allowed through. They were beaten by the Taliban uh, with uh, the rubber fan belt from a vehicle. Uh, Multiple examples of Americans and Afghans, SIV applicants, who have now tried repeatedly. There's one woman we're tracking. She's back at the airport tonight. This is her third night in the row. Gates haven't opened. The Taliban haven't let her through. Uh, It it just seems the reality and the rhetoric are miles apart. Uh, I'm not quite sure what what advice the president's receiving. But the truth on the ground is that that these people who are in fear of their lives can't get through. Yes, and that's uh, that's the report. I could play you several reports like that of stories. And what's actually happening, I've got this, it's just so much to share with you, as you know. The American troops are doing what they do. Uh, It seems to me they're kind of operating independently. Those are my words, not other people's words. But American troops, I started by telling you that the French and the British are sending special forces. Even the Germans are going into the country and pulling out people, their citizens, out of uh, Afghanistan. Meanwhile, you know, our generals say, it's just not possible. We just can't do that. If they can't, in fact... Let me just play what they actually did say. This was a back and forth with um, Mark Milley and with, um, uh, yeah, the guy that's the chair, <laughs> the uh, defense secretary, uh, uh, Lloyd Austin. This is clip three. Just listen to this. This was just this was last week. Let's listen. I would like to press both of you on the same points, General Milley. You say in your statement that one of your tasks is to evacuate all American citizens from Afghanistan who desire to leave. There are Americans clearly all over Kabul. There may be Americans in other parts of the country. How can the U.S., the Pentagon, live up to that task of evacuating all Americans? Because we continue to see the violence just outside the airport. And how would you get them uh, around the country unless you go get them? 
Well, two, two things, Barbara. Um, one is State Department, as you know, as I've said, is working uh, with the Taliban to facilitate safe passage of American citizens, U.S. passport holders, to the airport. No, no, keep um, going. And um, that's the primary means, and under the current conditions, uh, that's the primary effort. We have capability to do other things if necessary. Well, can I ask you what that means? Because you also said there were international special forces there that have the capability to extract, and those words suggest very clearly in the military realm you would go get people. Well, that would be a policy decision, and if directed, we have capabilities that can execute whatever we're directed. Thank you. Louis. And I would draw a distinction, uh, Barb, between extracting uh, someone in an in extremist condition or, or, or circumstance versus uh, going out and collecting up large numbers of, uh, of American citizens. Do you have the capability to go out and collect Americans? We don't have the capability to go out and collect up large uh, numbers of, of, uh, of people, Barb. So that's the Secretary of Defense. So while we've got France and Britain and even Germany going into and, and collecting people, uh, they say our our uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs and our Secretary of Defense are saying, "Oh, you know what? The State Department's handling that." And I, I mean, as I said, I talked over it because it's ridiculous. They're paying them cash. That's what they're doing. They're having the State Department pay the Taliban cash instead of using our military. But our military is not standing by. The Eighty Second Airborne is inside the airport. They are do- well. They're doing the perimeter con- uh, right now. I've seen all kinds of pictures of this taking place and. Uh, over the last, what was this, was dated, American troops have left the airport in Kabul. I don't know if they had permission, but they did that. And they went out and rescued 169 Americans who were outside the perimeter. And so they're doing it, it seems to me, anyway, because that's the kind of guys they are. Uh, and um, the Pentagon, by the way, now has activated what they call the Civil Reserve Air Fleet. Uh, they have. They are demanding that certain airlines, and they've asked American Airlines, Atlas Air, Delta, Omni Air, Hawaiian Air, United Air, to start moving people out of Afghanistan. The problem is, you know, they're not distinguishing. This is a problem to me. Uh, we have a lot of allies that are Afghans, absolutely. I've got no problem with helping them. I have a problem with helping them putting on the plane two-thirds Afghanis and one-third Americans when Americans are stranded. I do have a problem with that. Uh, and this... Uh, this administration just does not care. They just don't care about American citizens. And many people have speculated, and I'm one of them, that this withdrawal was so disastrous. I have in my hands more details about the equipment that they left behind, the capability they've given given the Afghanis, um, and the way they have not planned to get people out, the, the difficulty, the dilemma they put the American forces in. Because what happens? When the 82nd Airborne and others that are there are, have helped everyone that they can help, how do they get out? How do they get out? They've been put in terrible danger. The Taliban has all of this weaponry. Uh, someone pointed out, I think it was my friend Rick Manning that, um, from Americans for Limited Government, uh, that uh, they, the American firepower should be destroying a lot of the things that have been taken, that have been left behind, not the least of which are a ton of Apache helicopters. Uh, but they're not doing that. So it's um, it is really and it seems intentional. I mean that's a pretty uh, harsh thing to say, but it sure does seem intentional. And um, Richard Grinnell pointed something out, former you know ambassador to Germany, 
and then also um, came back to the United States to sort of clean up in a special assignment under President Trump what was happening in intelligence agencies. Made a lot of enemies that way, but he tweeted that Washington, D.C. newsrooms like to hide facts that matter. Susan Rice, Susan Rice was the Secretary of Defense or whatever she was under President uh, Obama. She was a disaster. Uh, she was there during Benghazi and was the one who told all the lies about uh, the, the strike in Benghazi that killed so many Americans being the result of some cartoon, some ridiculous cartoon. Susan Rice is a liar. She's an operative of uh, Barack Obama. She's no friend to this country. She isn't. Uh, so it was her deputies. Anthony Blinken was her deputy. Anthony Blinken, now Secretary of State, who's doing such a pathetic job of dealing with the Chinese and uh, of trying to even answer the simplest questions over what's happening in Afghanistan. She was Obama's national security advisor, and uh, working for her was Anthony Blinken and Averill Haynes. And um, so Richard says Susan Rice is pulling the strings. Susan Rice is pulling the strings, and I don't doubt that. And I don't doubt that Barack Obama is up to his ears in this also, uh, really actually kind of enjoying that. The Democrats are enjoying that. They're having a good time. And I don't know if we have the rest of the clips up there. Do we, uh, Devin? I want to show you what a good time they're having because uh, one of the clips, can you hear me, Devin? Do they have, uh, do we have the rest of the clips? Okay, so just let that play. But I want you to imagine that while this is playing, Chuck Schumer is dancing with uh, Stephen Colbert and others at this big party they had over the weekend. This is behind the stage, and this is what they're doing while uh, what's happening in Afghanistan is happening. This is what they're doing. Meanwhile, Nancy Pelosi had a huge gathering in Napa Valley, big fundraiser where they set maskless uh, and, uh, you know, dined uh, beautifully high-end on this great wine. They're, they're having a good time. They're not upset. Um, I wonder, you know, when the Taliban comes knocking at their door, the Islamists, because uh, ISIS is now, we know, in Afghanistan rearing its ugly head, and now it's joining in with the, the fun of killing people. Uh, when they come here, again, knocking at the door of Stephen Colbert and, you know, invading his mansion, is he going to tell them how he supported, you know, what happened and how he likes Joe Biden? I'm, I wonder if there'll be a card to show, you know, like Joe Biden's face and uh, like, or maybe put it on your door so you'll be protected. I don't think that's going to work very well. Sandy Rios in the morning, AFR Talk. Hi, I'm Will Addison. And on behalf of American Family Association, we would like to invite married couples to participate in this month's By Design Challenge. It's simple but profound. Go to afa.net slash by design and sign a petition that expresses your commitment to your God-given marital covenant. While there, you will see a PDF file that will allow you to print out a covenant document for you to sign and date as a symbol of the promise you made before God to your spouse. Marriage was created by God for His glory. No wonder the enemy fights so hard to destroy it because he hates anything God creates. Go to afa.net slash by design to be encouraged and reminded that our marriage is God's marriage and it's worth fighting for. One man, one woman, for life. For life. To participate in this month's challenge, visit afa.net slash by design. 
This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Carol Perez, acting under Secretary of State for Operations at the Department of State. Her responsibilities include people, resources, budget, facilities, technology, and more. 1 Corinthians 3.8 reminds us of the importance of responsibility. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. Right now with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Carol Perez in her role at the State Department. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. As you plan your summer college visits, add Liberty University to the list. With many visiting options to choose from, you're sure to find the right one to fit your schedule. Spend a few hours exploring campus with our student-led team at Tour LU, dig deeper and learn more about life at Liberty during Experience LU, or take your next steps towards becoming a student at Decide LU. Learn more and register today by texting VISIT to 49596. Again, that's VISIT to 49596. See you this summer. Years from now, when a Jeopardy! contestant takes cancel culture for the Daily Double, the question will be the shortest career of a game show host in history. And the answer, who is Mike Richards? The newly crowned host of America's favorite game show has stepped down. He was facing a firestorm of criticism over inappropriate comments he made on a podcast. The Ringer, a website that covers pop culture, uncovered a number of podcasts where Richards weighed in on little people, Americans who get unemployment benefits, and women in bathing suits. Now, I've listened to the podcast, and yeah, the remarks were crude and offensive, but they were hardly scandalous. It was basically guy talk on a podcast. But that's big no-no in today's culture, where even a playground scuffle could become a career buster. Mike Richards learned a very important lesson, and one we should all pay heed. When it comes to the cancel culture mob, we are all in jeopardy. I'm Todd Starnes. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Facebook or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Okay, Sandy Rios. Let me just tell you, uh, there is so much news right now. I think I mentioned this before. So it's like putting out a fire hose over here, and uh, Adam is, uh, you know, pulling clips like crazy. In fact, there were 22 this morning uh, that I pulled. Of course, that's not uh, all I watched, and that's not all there are. It's just that this is kind of the way it is, and all the news I'm trying to read. So it sounds, uh, I'm trying to make it as clear as I can, but it's a challenge and uh, I hope you'll be patient. All right. So <laughs> at the rally in Coleman, Alabama on Saturday night, there were just, I mean, as far as the eye could see, there were crowds. It was just amazing. I saw like a, a from the, from the, uh, an aerial view, a, a, a tweeted by Dan Scavino. And so uh, I've asked if any of you were at the rally. And so, yes, you were. In fact, let's go. Let's go to Jim in Mississippi first. Good morning, Jim. Were you there? I was there. And uh, looked so, like the, looked like the line was about a mile long just to oh. get into the security, and uh, you got to give it to a lot of the people that stood out in the elements because it started to rain. Looked like it was going to rain a lot harder than it did, and then it started lightning and thundering, 
Uh, oh boy. People stayed right out there with it and thank God it, it, uh, it moved out. But, uh, the weather could have not been more favorable for, you know, down here in the south, as hot and humid as it is. It yep. was very overcast until that little window of, of rain came, and it, it was looking kind of marginal. But, but like I say, thank goodness it moved out. Yes. Well, that's great. Oh, okay, so how long did it take you to get in, Jim? Well, uh, I'm not one for standing in lines. And um, I was parked kind of close to where the line was. And when it started raining, I went back to my car. And then I came okay. back out. And, okay. Uh, All right. I well, let's get, let's, get to the, let's get to the nut of it. What, what, what was it like, and what did the president have to say? That You don't have to say everything. Just give us something that really stood out at you. Well, the theme, the theme of the conference was Save America. And uh, I wanted to bring this to your attention because there were some people that were selling some very vulgar T-shirts there, and somebody needs to be responsible for that. If the, if the conference is Save America, I can't even quote to you what was on those shirts. They were so vulgar. Yeah. Um, but they had so many speakers that you were pretty worn out by the time President Trump came out, and he was pretty long-winded himself. One thing that the crowd didn't like was Mo Brooks suggested that we just move on, forget about the last election. And the crowd was not for that at all. They were for those audits to be moved forward and the results of those audits uh, to be brought forward. And he kept trying to press us to move forward and forget about that and look to 2024. But the crowd was not for that. That's and, interesting. Uh, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that he would that he feels that way. That that really does surprise me. That sounds like a question I need to talk to him about. Okay, so what else, Jim? And then we got to move on to the next guy that was there. Well, uh, President Trump, uh, you know, he mentioned about those audits and and so forth. And he, of course, he talked about a lot of things. He, you know, he, he talked about what's going on in Afghanistan, uh, but uh, uh, that. That's that's about uh, what really bothered me was what I saw there. I, it kind of overshadowed everything else that was going on because if we're going to save America, we can't do it in the sewer. And somebody needs to be responsible. They were holding those nasty shirts up in, in, the, in the lines that we were in right in your face. I'm just uh, well, Jim. Were there very many people? Were there very many people doing that? And was that part of the the official there, rally? There were three black guys that were selling those shirts, and um, perhaps more. But I saw three of them. But um, I tried to get some other guys to help me approach those guys and get those things removed. Nobody wanted to do it. They yeah. wanted to say, "Well, that's freedom of speech." Lewd, crude, and rude is not freedom of speech. Okay, we into that. Yeah. No, I don't, I'm not for that either. I'm not for that either. But uh, listen, I'm sorry that you had, it sounds like you didn't have a very good experience. But at least you had your car parked close by, so that's good. But uh, thanks, and, uh, you know, I can't do anything about that stuff. But um, I was hoping that you would have been encouraged, but it doesn't sound like you were. Let me, let me talk to Scott in Alabama, see how he felt about it. Hey, Scott, good morning. 
Good morning, Sandy. It's so good to be on with you this morning. <laughs> Thank you. I just want to say I was encouraged. It was fantastic. I can't believe how many people were there. I think they were expecting 20,000, but by the time I got there, they were opening up the farthest fields from the event. You could imagine it took, uh, oh gosh, probably a half an hour just to walk from that field to the event. Yeah, I but don't it doubt it. They, walk. Yeah, I don't doubt it. And so what was it that you, what did you hear that encouraged you? Well, there was so much that encouraged me. Uh, I, I thought that the speakers were, were great. Uh, even Mo Brooks, Jim mentioned that he said something the crowd didn't like. I kind of got the impression the crowd didn't really understand what his point was. His point was, let's, let's win in 22. Let's bring Trump back in 24. I, I think that's what his point was. So oh, okay. I, I thought so he said, he look, at, look ahead. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Let's look ahead. And, and Trump was, was great. And, and, you know, I, I thought the crowd was great. It was so great to be with people of like mind that were all for the USA and uh, for conservative values and things like that. Uh, yeah, there were things in the crowd that weren't so great. Like, you know, occasionally you would see the, the vulgar kind of stuff that Jim mentioned. Uh, but I, I thought that was pretty rare. For the most part, it was all positive and uh, you know, people were wearing and saying positive things, so I, I thought it was great. Yeah. Okay, Scott. Well, listen, I, I thank you, and I, you know, I, I wish I could have been there, uh, but um, uh, it's, I'm, it's, you know, just shows you how people are still wanting to fight. They want to do something, and the President Trump is certainly not giving up either, and so uh, that in itself is encouraging. So, Scott, thanks. Appreciate your report. And let me add to, for all of you, just to remember, and especially Jim, since he was disappointed by what he saw, that uh, certainly when it comes to Trump's support, it's not a Sunday school crowd. A lot of people, a lot of Christians like me and other people do support him because of his positions on issues. It's not that we support, you know, the crassness that a lot of other people support President Trump who care about the country, love it dearly, but they don't have the same kind of sensitivities to moral values. And I don't disagree that if the country is going to be really redeemed, it has to be, uh, it can't be debauched and debased. And we don't want that, and we, we don't approve of that. Uh, but you, in coexisting with a group of people who are supporting another thing that doesn't come under the banner of Christ, um, then we get into that kind of stuff because we are not all the same. Uh, when it comes to our faith and our our practices and how we live. So that's been the big divide over the support of President Trump because, you know, his past, he's been very crass. His language is still uh, crass. Uh, so is Joe Biden's. I mean, that, that, I mean I'm, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying we're dealing with uh, politicians are not pastors. And so we're, we're dealing in the world. You know, the guy that sells you tires might have bad language too. So you, you, if you're going to operate in this world, you, you take it, um, you have to take it with a broad mind because otherwise you can't coexist. We don't live in a Christian uh, world. We just have to stay within our Christian friends and our Christian church if we wanted that kind of thing. I often find, too, I just have to say this, and I'm taking my real estate here to talk about this stuff, but um, sometimes even the, the, the lack of bad language does not indicate, uh, sometimes I think people use that as a piety that doesn't really necessarily represent righteousness. So, 
make sure that you are feel that way because of, of uh, your sense of righteousness and not because of personal piety that rejects bad words. Uh, because just not saying bad words doesn't make you uh, righteous. Anyway, I've started a whole exchange, and so I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to say, if you have something to say about that, uh, Sandy at AFR.net, we could talk about it at a longer uh, um, point. Okay, I want to get right to this. This is very important. Uh, President, uh, uh, yeah, President Biden was interviewed. He's done so many, made he's had press conferences and interviews, and he's really basically repeatedly uh, shown himself to be either uninformed or just ignorant or or wicked. You can choose your poison. Uh, clip 13, he's asked uh, about how our a- allies feel, and this is what he says. Clip 13. I have seen no question of our credibility from our allies around the world. I've got the exact opposite thing is we're acting with dispatch. We're acting, committing to what we said we would do. Yes, except that's not true. And I, maybe you can say, well, what do I know? Well, this is what I know. I told you that uh, the British were very involved in Afghanistan. They were doing some great things, and my husband had a front-row seat to that, working with the Brits. Uh, British uh, Colonel uh, Richard Kemp, I think, was the uh, British commanding officer in Afghanistan, and uh, he had a lot to say about this, and I think you should hear it. I just think you should hear it. As Biden says, that he, the, the world thinks that he did a great job. Or he, he was commanding. He made a decisive decision. This is the truth. This is from our ally, British, British Colonel Richard Kemp, clip 10. I think the consequences of what's just happened and what's still happening are absolutely devastating for the whole of the Western world. Um, I, I mentioned earlier the, 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 the catastrophic effect on NATO. NATO is a very important military alliance. Many presidents have, have, uh, con- uh, have uh, criticised it for not pulling its weight, of the European member states in particular, and they're right to do so. But President Biden has just completely destroyed its credibility, totally destroyed it, uh, single-handed. And, you know, we're seeing what we face now is a a terrorist threat coming out of Afghanistan that is greater than the terrorist threat before 9-11. Jihadists around the world have been celebrating the events, and and not least the president, not that he's a jihadist, but the president of Pakistan, Imran Khan, who himself celebrated it. He should be celebrating because Pakistan significantly funded uh, the Taliban throughout the campaign, while at the same time being paid vast amounts of money by America and Britain. Um, But they're they're celebrating around the world. Hamas in in Gaza are celebrating what's happening here. Um, And and they will be re-energized. They will see that their recruitment has been boosted. They will be reinvigorated and they will launch attacks around the world against our countries, as they did really when they were being inspired by the Islamic State. Al-Qaeda and the Islamic State are strong in Afghanistan at the moment. Al-Qaeda fought alongside the Taliban in recent battles. They will operate freely. It doesn't matter what the Taliban say to you. They will allow the Al-Qaeda and the Islamic State to operate freely there. And they can operate more freely than they could before 9-11, because they know there's no fear of Western intervention now. That, that's finished. That's history. That's not going to happen again. They know that. And so they'll be even bolder than before. And jihadists from around the world will flock into Afghanistan to train, prepare and launch attacks against the West. So the, the state of the terrorist threat is higher than it was at the height of the Islamic State's power when they controlled large parts of Syria and of Iraq. I know this is upsetting. Uh, I think we're in uh, terrible trouble, and I would be lying if I said otherwise. 
Uh, but you have to hear this, and you have to be prepared. And we are going to spend the next however weeks and months preparing ourselves for whatever is coming. We're going to continue to fight, and we're going to prepare ourselves spiritually. British Colonel Richard Kemp went on to talk about the danger from Russia and China. Let's listen. Clip 11. There's no one really who is celebrating this situation more than uh, Russia and China. They're, they're the greatest cheerleaders for what's happened. They've helped to bring it about. But they, they now will be, will be emboldened themselves. They've done a great deal against the West, a huge amount against the West in the past. They now will look at the, the deterrent that the United States used to present, and they will see that they've got pretty much an open field to do almost whatever they like. Um, and, and those countries that we had hoped to entice onto our side in the, uh, in, in, to, onto the, into the Western sphere, those countries um, will say, why would we do that? These people are clearly fair-weather friends. We can't rely on them. We can't trust them. And they will see Russia and China as being the more reliable ally than any country in the West. And so that will be extremely damaging for, for, for our ability to wield power. And yet that was one of the reasons that President Biden gave for pulling out of Afghanistan, that um, he, he, he would focus more effort, he'd be able to focus more effort on, um, on confronting China and Russia. Well, that's got, that's, he, this is a completely the reverse of what he expected to happen. Yes, and then he goes on to be more specific about uh, what's going to happen as a result of this withdrawal, like this, from China. And he has a word for President Biden as well. This is the last statement from Colonel Richard Kemp. And hold the break if we knew to you guys. Let's listen to clip 12. We're going to see China holding the upper hand over Afghanistan now, together with Pakistan. And they will use their influence together with Russia and Iran in Afghanistan. They will use that influence not only to enrich themselves by plundering Afghanistani um, uh, minerals and resources, but by using what they have there to hit against the West. So the whole world just became vastly more dangerous. The U.S. government, the U.S. government, President Biden humiliated the United States. He humiliated the United States Army. In my opinion, and I, I don't say this lightly, and I've never said it about anybody else, any other leader in this position. People have been talking about impeaching President Biden. I don't believe President Biden should be impeached. He's the commander-in-chief of the U.S. Armed Forces, who's just essentially surrendered to the Taliban. He shouldn't be impeached. He should be court-martialed for betraying the United States of America and the United States Armed Forces. Well, that is just stunning. You guys can start the music. Again, that was the British commander uh, in Afghanistan, British Colonel Richard Kemp. And uh, he just put it in a nutshell. Uh, he, the president has, Biden has humiliated the United States. He has humiliated the United States military. And he should be court-martialed because he sees the commander-in-chief of the armed forces of the U.S. Uh, don't listen. Don't think our guys don't feel that way. What were those guys on the front lines? They're doing their job. I see these pictures of our soldiers over there helping children, uh, you know, within the perimeter of the airport and then going out risking their lives to rescue Americans. Uh, those are our soldiers. That is America. I don't recognize those people in Washington. I'm ashamed of them. I am mortified by them. And we need to get them out in any way that we can. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. 
Hello, I'm Gary Roby, host of Call to Worship, heard each Sunday on American Family Radio. This one-hour program will lead you in a special time of worship and praise. We will focus on God's Word, spoken, and in music. Call to Worship has a different topic each week as we glorify God together. Be sure to join us at 5 a.m. Central each Sunday for a Call to Worship right here on American Family Radio. God has a purpose for each one of us and that in each of our lives there will come the prison experiences. There will come the problems, the difficulties. And that in the midst of those, God wants to teach us and He wants us to learn. Join Dr. David Jeremiah for his series, Overcoming Loneliness, next time on Turning Point. 5.30 a.m. and 7 p.m. Central on American Family Radio. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. When my wife and I first started having children, we discouraged our family members from speaking to them in baby talk. You know, the gaga Google stuff. The reason was simple. We wanted our children to speak English well. Baby talk would hinder that development. The same principle applies to spiritual development. If we want our children to be wise disciples of our Lord, we should ask ourselves how much of their time is spent investing in spiritual maturity. Protracted time in the company of spiritual baby talkers will inevitably cause harm. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, Public Policy Analyst for the American Family Association. You know, when Matthew 19, the, the scripture records a Pharisee trying to test Jesus concerning marriage, and Jesus responded, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. In the beginning, the first institution God created was the family. Marriage is the centerpiece of family. As a husband and father myself, let me tell you, marriage is absolutely wonderful. And we want to encourage and educate people to embrace God's design as the fundamental building block for all of human civilization and to celebrate the lifelong union of one man and one woman as the objective institution that produces human flourishing. Tune in to By Design as we explore God's true purpose and design for marriage. Just visit the podcast page at AFR.net. This is Frank Affney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Colonel Richard Kemp is a highly decorated retired British Army officer who commanded his country's forces in Afghanistan. On Sunday, he shared with Fox News' Mark Levin the perspective of one of America's most steadfast allies concerning the Biden bug-out from Afghanistan. Richard Kemp described it as, quote, the most disastrous foreign policy event for the United States of America since the Second World War. It is worse than Vietnam because the North Vietnamese were not trying to destroy the USA, The same cannot, of course, be said of the global Islamic movement, of which we have now made the Taliban a leading force, or Russia and China. The colonel's bottom line is that, quote, the threat to the West is worse now than it was on 9-11, unquote. For such betrayal, Colonel Kemp recommended that the commander-in-chief not be impeached, but court-martialed. Amen. This is Frank Gaffney. 
Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. And I think there are five key messages uh, of scientific truth that I'd want everybody to understand about the virus and the pandemic. And they're, they're, they're fairly straightforward. I'll go through them quickly. Mm-hmm. Number one, the virus is not spread asymptomatically. Only sick people give it to other people. Number two, that if we do any, we should never do any testing of asymptomatic pe- people, the nasal oral test. All we're doing is generating false positives, creating uh, extra cases, if you will, and creating extra concerns. The FDA never approved these tests for asymptomatic testing. The World Health Organization, as of January, as, as of June 25th, has said no asymptomatic testing, none. So there shouldn't be a single person on earth that should undergo an asymptomatic test or a test done for routine basis. Any reasons, it violates WHO, it violates all the regulatory, people just ought to walk past those testing stations. It, they have absolutely no standing whatsoever. Um, point number three uh, is that natural immunity is robust, complete, and durable. There is no meaningful chance of having a second serious case of COVID. In fact, it's never happened in a confirmed case so far in the world. Any of the purported cases that have come up have involved misinterpretation of a false positive PCR test. It doesn't happen. Uh, If it did happen, we would have seen thousands, if not millions of people being hospitalized, the same person being hospitalized over and over again for new cases of COVID-19. It hasn't happened. It fundamentally doesn't happen. Even in loosely defined cases, in a paper by Mertu et al., in loosely defined cases where they didn't get an initial test, but maybe had positive antibodies, those patients followed 11 studies, 650,000 individuals. The rate of any significant COVID infection over the long term was 0.2%. So I can tell you, as we sit here today, natural immunity is robust, complete, and durable. It cannot be improved upon by vaccination or any other uh, method. So someone who's naturally immune can walk up to somebody with COVID-19, get a big cough in the face, and they're not going to get the illness. All right, that's Dr. Peter McCullough, who's become, you know, very bold in his declarations. He testified before the Texas Senate uh, Health and Human Services Committee about this. Uh, that was a, an interview that he did, and these are five things he says to know about COVID. And the first one was that people who have no symptoms don't spread the disease. He said they just don't. You have to, they, they keep telling, remember the... The CDC has talked about uh, asymptomatic people can can spread it, and he says that's not true. They can't, and he said that's why we should not have testing for non-symptomatic uh, people. It produces tons of false tests, and it's just creating chaos. And he says that the tests are even not sanctioned by the World Health Organization, which is amazing to me to hear him say that. And then he also just made the point that um, natural immunity uh, is complete. It's robust, and it lasts. And uh, so... People who have natural immunity should not be getting vaccinations. All right, with that in mind, I just want to tell you a few stories. In France, man, they are clamping down in incredible ways. Uh, French supermarkets now are requiring their customers to show a COVID pass before uh, entering, and that they're getting ready to crack down in September. They're they're requiring it for um, uh, supermarket chains they're requiring it for restaurants you just can't hardly do anything unless you have a, some kind of a thing that says that you've had a vaccination and the french are really really upset they're rebelling against this i've told you about the hundreds of thousands of people out in the streets i have to i hope to go to um uh to to um international reporter who's done a whole study about what study story 
uh, investigation about what's happening in Europe in response to these COVID, uh, forcing people to be vaccinated. And now we know, you know, like um, Jesse Jackson and his wife, uh, I'll just say for sure on Jesse Jackson, has been, has had both vaccinations and now he's in the hospital with COVID. Um, I just heard the same thing in my own church. Uh, uh, someone else, who, someone's in our choir, uh, had both vaccinations and is now in the hospital with COVID. So uh, they want to tell us that this is a um, pandemic of the unvaccinated, and it's just a lie. It's just not true, and it's uh, getting so far down in, in the country and affecting so many different people that I think it's not hard to make that case. For people that, you know, just are living their daily lives, they're seeing people who have been vaccinated and are getting covid but I want to add that, you know, that's not, we, we have things to treat COVID. We can treat people who test positive and are symptomatic and are really sick. In fact, in, in Florida, Ron DeSantis, the governor, has launched a monoclonal antibody rapid response team because uh, the monoclonal clonal antibodies is something that they used on President Trump uh, that they attribute to him uh, in addition to uh, the other things we've talked about. Uh, that they attribute that to having a tremendous amount of effect on his his um, recovery. So um, DeSantis noted that the experimental monoclonal antibodies developed by Regneron Pharmaceuticals were used by President Donald Trump after he contracted the uh, the virus. Uh, but a study released in April showed that Regeneron's antibody cocktail helped people recover faster after falling ill, and when given in the early stages, could prevent people from becoming sick. With a virus, there's a lot more to this story. But bottom line, Ron DeSantis in Florida is sending around uh, treatment teams. They've got mobile units that are going all over. If you want to, if you're in Florida and you want to know where they are, you go to FloridaHealthCOVID19.gov. FloridaHealthCOVID19.gov. We'll put that on our Facebook page. Um, and let's see, Dr. Kenneth Shepke, who is the medical officer for the Florida Department of Emergency Man- Management. Uh, says that these monoclonal antibody therapy sites will expand access to proven effective COVID treatment. The idea, of course, is to stop people from going into hospitals because when they do and they don't get proper treatment, and trust me, they don't get proper treatment, they die. It's just horrendous. Just didn't need to happen this way. Uh, He goes, Shepke, Dr. Shepke goes on to say the treatment reduces severe illness, hospitalization, and death risk by 70%. And it reduces the odds of household contacts developing COVID-19 by 82%. Monoclonal antibody therapy helps prevent the COVID-19 virus from attaching to human cells and is effective against variants of concern, including the Delta variant. All right, so we've ta- I've mentioned to you so many times ivermectin, and I've given you uh, uh, contacts where you can frontline doctors is a place to go. Also, uh, FLCCC, frontline a critical care COVID doctors, I think this FLCCC is a great site also to go on for ivermectin, which is a great preventative and also treatment if you get COVID. But this is something else, monoclonal antibodies. So as I said, for heaven's sake, there are treatments for this. You do not have to go to the hospital and die. And that's the alternatives that they or take a vaccine that has risk. Uh, there are ways to manage this. Uh, I want to tell you a couple of other practical things that have happened to people. Uh, the University of Virginia has disenrolled students for non-compliance with the vaccine mandate. It's 238 students have been disenrolled at uh, the uh, University of Virginia because they won't 
get the vaccine. And yet we know, like especially with young men, uh, they actually stopped uh, and did studies to show that the young, young men are developing myocarditis, a heart inflammation, a heart problem, and it's not temporary. And so why would you make young men in college take this? Why would you make young women take uh, the injection when we know that the, the, we know that the risks to fertility and childbearing are at least worth considering, and there are no studies to finalize what the harm is on childbearing women and their babies, uh, their future babies and their current babies if they're pregnant. All right, so um, that's what they're doing at the University of Virginia. In Britain, a man was given a six-week prison sentence for not wearing a face mask, and the judge has forced uh, psychiatric treatment for him. Uh, he went into court and he talked about how masks were not effective. Uh, and as a result of that, the, the, uh, the judge ordered him to have a psychiatric treatment in spite of the evidence that these masks that we all wear are not effective. Uh, the, Dr. Fauci actually even admitted that. And then here in Alaska, this was this is really stunning to me. Oh, I don't want to get, I want to make sure I get to this. Quickly, I will tell you that there was a woman in Alaska in Wasilla who has severe problems, multiple autoimmune diseases, blood clotting disorder, and bleeding disease. And uh, she has a treatment once a month. She drives to the doctor from, and you know, it's not easy. She, for 14 years, she's done that. She's driven to Anchorage every 28 days to receive her medication. And her doctor, Dr. O'Fallon, is now refusing treatment to her because she will not get the vaccination. And she said, you know, I don't, I can't, I'm in danger with the blood clots with this shot. I'm not anti, she's not anti-vaccine. She just said, my life is in danger. And she got this letter from her doctor saying that she's going to have to find another uh, doctor. And she said, so far, she has not been able to find one. She has children. Uh, she's a stay-at-home mo- mother of two. That's how, that's how horrible this is getting. And so this now is personal. This is personal to me. Uh, we got a, uh, I got an email from a listener. His name is Michael. He said, uh, Dear Mrs. Rios, my name is Michael. I've served in the U.S. Army for almost 20 years. The past 17 within the ranks of the United States Army Special Operations Command. I recently spoke with my chain of command and informed them that I would not be receiving the vaccine under any circumstances. I'm a husband, father of five, sole breadwinner for our beautiful family. With that in mind, I realize that I'm putting my military career and pension at risk by standing up for what I believe. Many people have questioned why I would take such a stand that could ruin my family financially. My response has been and always will be that my God is faithful and will always be. I was told by my chain of command that I am the first service member with the organization to openly state my intentions, and I pray it will be a catalyst for other service members to take a stand for their freedoms. Please keep my family, our military, and this great nation in your prayers. And uh, thank you for your time, and may God bless you. Uh, Michael, that just moved me so much when you sent this. By the way, I've tried to get in touch with you, but uh, the, the email address is uh, you probably for a reason cryptic, and it, it's not working. So if you're listening to my voice, I hope you'll write me back and, and fi- give me a way to get in touch with you. It's, if there's any help to be had, I would try to find that for you. Sandy at AFR.net, Sandy at AFR.net. You see the kind of squeeze that's being put on people, and it's uh, happening internationally. And I, I don't know, just part of me does not expect this to go away. I guess because I'm filled with, you know, the, the stories of Revelation and the, the, the tribulations to come and the trials uh, of the forced, you know, the, the, I think of uh, Revelation, the prediction of the, the mark of the beast, the 666, that you can't buy or sell unless you have 
Uh, so it, even if this is not that, it is the same thing but different. It's like you can't buy or sell. You can't live. You can't go to college. You can't speak out. You can't go online. You can't be a person. Your children have no future. We're seeing it with our own eyes. If they proceed down this path, uh, uh, it's going to be very dangerous for all of us. And I, I, um, I, <laughs> I was talking to my Sunday school class yesterday about this. I, you remember the prophet that um, the king, one of the kings, had all of these prophets around them, and these prophets would tell him good news all the time. They, oh yes, king, it's fine. You're doing great. The country's strong. There's no nothing to see here. Everything's wonderful. But one prophet, and if you, I know you can help me. Many of you have it on the tip of your tongue. I don't. Uh, one prophet would not do that, <clears throat> and he continued to bring the bad news, the reality of God's view of the country and what was happening, of the degradation and the, of the lack of service, and also of the prediction of their doom. Uh, and the king didn't want to hear it, and he wanted to kill the prophet for saying that. And I find myself kind of, I know no one wants to kill me, but I cannot lie to you. I cannot lie to you and say that everything's fine. Everything is not fine. And... Uh, If nothing else, I'm giving warning to myself and warning to you to prepare. Prepare in the Word. Prepare your hearts. Get your physical uh, matters in order. It's almost like a, well, I won't go that far. Okay, let's just say get your house in order. Get your heart in order. Get your soul in order. And uh, let's get ready because the King is coming. (laughs) He is coming. And that for sure is the good news. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.